Welcome back to our podcast in Mindsight, your favorite podcast on Spotify and all the other platforms out there. I'm so happy to welcome you back and also my co-host Yasin. Today we will be talking about the book Deep Work by Cal, Cal Newport or something like that. Yasin will take us through it. Uh, I have never read it, so let's see where it takes us. But first of all, how has your life been since our last recording, my wonderful co-host? Mm. Well, first of all, thanks for the introduction, man. Very nice. Um, well, as I told you before the recording started, it has been a quite eventful few weeks, especially today was just full of stuff to do. Um literally nice. every Something every new. minute was filled <laughs> well yeah <laughs> not exactly new but it was uh, just taken to an extreme which i really like actually i feel like i uh, feel really yes, energized we know you're right like your extremes guy man <laughs> yeah man i feel really energized right now it's crazy my i mean it's 8 p.m and i just yeah. feel like i can literally go on for another 12 hours without sleeping but i won't do that See. because that's not healthy and for more information <laughs> on how to develop healthy sleeping habits, you can check out our previous episode. Or was it the previous episode? No, it was no. the episode before that, I think. The episode before that, right. About yes. healthy so sleeping habits. So many episodes. Check them all out. Habits. And if you if you went through all of them, then go through them a second time, man. Exactly. <laughs> At least. They get better the more you listen to them. It's been scientific. I don't I don't proven. I'm not sure about that, but um if you say so, man. <laughs> Sure. Um, yeah, just a busy few days, given that we're going to leave for Romania in a few days, on Friday, actually. Um, you know, everybody's a bit stressed and we still got to pack and all that and plan our route and... Um, Finish your it's wardrobe. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a really great feeling to finally go to vacation, go back home, basically. Nice. Yeah, man. So wait, you consider like Romania your actual home and not like in Germany? Well, yes and no. It's a difficult question, but I would <laughs> say, well, the interesting part is whenever I'm in Romania, after some time I start to miss Germany. Whenever mm. I'm in Germany, after some time I start to miss Romania. But I would say if I had to choose, I would probably choose to live in Romania for the next uh, for the rest of my life. Although, you know... Romanian politics fucked up and the health system fucked up and, mm. um, you know, infrastructure is fucked up. <laughs> and just a lot of things are not working the way they're supposed to. I think I would still choose Romania over Germany. Yeah, it's just a... Uh, it's it's hard to explain. It's just an emotional thing, I guess. All right. Well, <laughs> nice to know, nice to know. <laughs> so what yeah, about you, looking man? forward to your vacation there. Yeah, my my week um, or my since our last recording, man. Uh, yesterday was a long day, a very long day, because I did some uh, post semester cleanup in my apartment, and now you can actually see through the windows again. But at what cost, man? At what cost? I ruined my sleeping cycle. I stayed up until two a.m. in the morning to finish this fucking job here, but now everything's <laughs> clean again. <laughs> oh man, yes. Sounds like fun. Did you listen to music yeah. or a podcast? Did you clean yeah, obviously, productively? Obviously. 
Duolingo Spanish podcast. Check it out if you're learning Spanish. It's quite nice. Very good. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're making actually very good podcasts for uh, for language learners. Like the one, the episodes I listened to were about like a, a bank heist in Argentina. <laughs> like <laughs> an actual nice. one that was going on where they interviewed like um, reporters and stuff. So it's it's it's, it's very cool and different from uh, the, the like <laughs> stuff you you're used to from school where you listen to some heavy accented guy standing at the airport while a train's rushing by and a rock concert uh, is taking place at at the other end of the station <laughs> yeah those listening comprehensions yeah. really can really get ridiculous <laughs> some of them are just yeah not the best quality but whatever yeah other than that I, I worked a bit on my uh, goals for, for my holidays right now. Um, I don't know whether I told it already to you, but I'm more or less really starting out with learning Japanese right now. And um, yeah, I, I made myself some kind of schedule of how I want to go about it because it's very different from learning the usual European languages that I'm used to at the moment. And... Yeah, first step uh, on that long path is learning actually all the different um, uh, kanji signs. It's like, <laughs> or like not all of them, uh, a pre-selection <laughs> of, yeah. of like 500 or so <laughs> to be actually be able to dive into grammar and stuff without needing to constantly look up stuff. Yeah. Right. But I'm looking forward to that. Um other than that, I'm currently looking for some kind of um, online open course thing stuff, which doesn't cost too much money <laughs> because we're as students, we're all broke, man. Um, <laughs> and I'm looking, uh, I, I kind of want to go in like that data analysis uh, direction because it's very useful for physics, I think. And maybe after the podcast, if you have something to recommend me there, then go ahead. Sure. Sure. Sounds so, great, man. So a lot of um, foundation laying for the next two months or so of semester break. Yeah. Other than that, recording a podcast with you. Very nice. Mm. <laughs> of course. Very cool, man. Sounds great. Awesome. All right, team. And then I'd suggest we get right into it. Um, mm -hmm. Deep work. Yes. What, what is it about? I have I we discussed about it a bit in an earlier podcast episode. I don't remember mm. which one exactly. Um but uh, update me again because I completely forgot again <laughs> because I didn't put it into my second brain, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. Check out our two episodes about that as well. <laughs> well, okay, so to give a little bit of context, um I think we all agree that in today's society most people have a very, very short attention span. And I mean, me included. <laughs> and <laughs> what, 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 sorry, what was that? Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> well, and well, it's not only the attention span. It's just many of us struggle with distractions. We are constantly bombarded with messages and emails and YouTube notifications or whatever. And 
actually like sitting down for two hours without any kind of distraction I think for many people many students is quite a I wouldn't say impossible but quite a big task to <laughs> to do and it has I think kind of become normalized to have such a shattered attention and to not really be able to Mm. focus on one singular thing for a long period of time and that's kind of where deep work comes in it's really something that Cal Newport kind of invented at least um, you know the word deep work and deep work what deep work basically is it's a number or it's a number of professional activities that are performed in a distraction-free concentration that push your cognitive capabilities to their limit. That was kind of the textbook definition. And the thing with deep work is that these efforts of uninterrupted, focused, concentrated time um, create new value, improve your skill, and are very hard to replicate. Whereas shallow work, as he calls it, are all of the things we usually do on a daily basis, like answering emails, um, having phone calls, and um, hour-long meetings. Um, because those efforts tend to not really create much new value in the world and are very easy to replicate. Hmm. And I think a lot of people usually confuse um, being productive with kind of doing those shallow tasks like answering emails or having yeah, phone yeah. calls or meetings because those things are very easy to do they are not really cognitively demanding um often they're performed while distracted you know while you answer emails you also have facebook open and also listen <laughs> to some music and um have your dog on your lap or whatever you know yes and we tend yes. to think that those times are actually spent productively where that is not really the case so, so are you implying that a dog on my lap while working is counterproductive <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah man you I'm, described I'm it so many people the i'm but discriminating all yeah, the yeah, dog no. owners <laughs> but yeah. that's kind of the over yeah no the, i think yeah <laughs> okay uh, then yeah i go ahead no um yes we confuse shallow work with like um with uh, actual productivity usual thing because of uh usual thing is like uh on our task lists we we put on things like okay answer those emails and have that phone call and stuff and it's very much satisfying to tick off like a whole box um whereas the other box say says like okay finished your thesis which is a task that takes several <laughs> weeks to finish and uh, therefore yeah. you'll jump on the easier ones which you can satisfyingly tick off there is the deep work that you should actually do um yeah gets neglected so for sure i think as a basic um yeah as a basic um division into two camps here that that mm. seems that seems right what he's doing i think yeah for sure and although there might be intermediate uh yeah stuff as well definitely to maybe give a little bit you know more examples to what deep work could consist of 
for example, tasks like, you know, programming, of course, mm -hmm. um, or, you know, preparing Personal for an experience. upcoming presentation, <laughs> of course, or drafting a new business plan, whatever. Those are usually things, as Elias said, that take several hours, weeks, months even to mm -hmm. complete. And usually they cannot really be completed effectively while scrolling through Instagram and answering emails and all that. Usually you have to be really focused on mm -hmm. that one specific task to actually create something valuable. And actually, Cal Newport in this book goes as far as saying that deep work and the ability to you know, focus for long periods of time, distraction-free, is the superpower of the 21st century. And it's actually what separates kind of winners from losers, let's say. Um, and we're going to get more into that, why that is and, you know, how you can improve your deep working abilities and all that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think he's absolutely right on that one. It's, as you said, it's very easy to answer emails, to have meetings and all that and to, to clean your room and to reorganize your desk because that's what you feel like doing because actually you're trying to procrastinate on writing that thesis for university and all that. <laughs> yeah, those are very shallow yes. things that don't actually move you forward hmm. like my go-to thing that i learned about for getting the deep work done is making it the most important thing uh, on my daily task list so to speak the first thing i will tackle that has to get done in the day yeah and only make it one and not ten of those <laughs> highly concentrative things no mm. but i guess we will right. get into it as you mentioned right yeah there are a lot of things he talks about i try to summarize it as much as possible with the help of awesome. a online summary by samuel mm -hmm. thomas davis um so thank you samuel for um the summary involuntarily <laughs> providing us with your uh, with your work that Yasin didn't want to put in deep work <laughs> <laughs> yeah kind of um okay so we kind of um got the basic idea of the book uh can you put talks about the importance of deep work and kind of how most people usually tend to do shallow work or focus on shallow tasks just just so they feel like they're being productive um by the way did another... he did he base that on some science or is he just claiming that oh yeah man there are, his chats are full of scientific references and studies okay, and all nice, that but nice. um that's that's good to know i think to, to all of that sure so another thing um that is important to kind of lay the foundation so you know people understand the other stuff we're going to talk about is what cal newport calls the deep work hypothesis and what he says is that the ability to perform deep work is becoming increasingly rare at exactly the same time it is becoming increasingly valuable in our economy. So basically people, as I said, tend to focus on shallow work, on shallow tasks, answering emails, phone calls and all that, where actually what would move them forward in their careers and in their life and all that what to actually focus more on deep work on long stretches on of uninterrupted distraction free time where you focus on just one single thing and you know don't try to multitask obviously and all of that and 
In his deep work hypothesis, he also says that as a consequence, the few who cultivate the skill and then make it the core of the working life will thrive. So those who focus on deep work and on doing those long stretches of uninterrupted, distraction-free, productive time are actually going to be the ones who have success in our economy. Um, obviously, not just um, limited to you know economical, financial mm -hmm. success, just in general, in your life. Um, A few questions, if sure. I may. <laughs> okay. You may. Why, why is it... Um, Okay, why is it becoming rarer, the ability? Because of social media, you, you said, right? Well, social media is a big part of it for sure. But just generally, many jobs these days include... Um, and we're going to talk about that as well. He's going to talk about kind of the way um, most um, corporate... No, how is it called? Most corporations and firms function mm -hmm. these days and how the way they function is usually detrimental to deep work and okay. doesn't actually value deep work and rather values shallow work, which I said is answering emails, phone calls, appearing busy, mm -hmm. um, running around all the time, stressed out because when people see that they're like, Oh, this guy must work really hard. He's really productive because he runs around um, the office the entire time. <laughs> Whereas nobody pays much attention to the guy who actually, actually is training for his marathon. <laughs> 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 um whereas nobody's actually focusing on the guy who is kind of locking himself in his office for three hours not being interrupted yeah. and actually producing things of value and we're going to talk about all of that but basically he says that our economy does um how, how do i put this those who perform deep work have an advantage over those who perform shadow work. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, in many jobs, it's you you can see people think that they can only can can only have success and can only appear productive and successful if they're, as I said, running around the entire time, answering phone calls and having meetings and um answering emails and all of that. But as I said, we, we're going to get into that. It's quite a big book and there are a lot of concepts. So it's hard to kind of um, <laughs> get into everything, yes. find your path through it. But we go, we're going to talk about most of the stuff, I hope. Um, maybe okay. to kind of expand the topic now. We talked about shallow work, deep work, and kind of Cal Newport's deep work hypotheses. Um, now, of course, the question is, how is it relevant? Why is it relevant to learn to master deep work to be able to focus for long stretches of time uninterrupted on one single thing and what Cal newport says is that seems in kind today's of obvious economy <laughs> yeah um but he says that in today's economy it is crucial to quickly master hard things um and again that's pretty obvious actually but he he kind of argues now from a more scientific point of view and he says that You get better at a skill as you de develop more myelin, I think it's called, or it's pronounced. I have no idea. I didn't have biology in school for mm -hmm. like the last two years. I have no idea. <laughs> But, um, it's some kind of brain thing. Apparently. Yeah, it's, it's some brain stuff, <laughs> some brain juice. <laughs> And the idea is that as Obviously, you get better... Obviously, you lack the hard work in biology. 
Yeah, that's unbelievable. Sure. As you get better at this, <laughs> I don't know it. Um, <laughs> usually, you tend to develop more myelin around mm -hmm. relevant neurons, and that myelin kind of um, allows the corresponding circuits to fire more effortlessly, more effectively, and therefore you're gonna just get better and better at that skill you're cultivating. And mm -hmm. he argues that by focusing intensely on one specific skill, you're forcing that specific relevant circuit to fire again and again in isolation. That's important. So don't try to multitask. Don't try to answer emails and have phone calls and check YouTube and all that. You're focusing on just one single skill, on one single movement, basically. And by this kind of repetitive use of a specific circuit, circuit, Damn, it's such a hard word to pronounce. Circuit. S circuit, damn it. Thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> no worries. By this repetitive use of um, the circuit, the, God, there's so many biological words I can't pronounce. Um, <laughs> that triggers cells that are called, God, oligodendrocytes. <laughs> Fucking hell. What is that? Oligodendrocytes. Oligodendrocytes, right. Man, I, I really lack the biology knowledge. <laughs> I think we you rather, have... rather lack the Latin knowledge. <laughs> yeah, we should have everything's Hannah named. on this. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but they began wrapping these layers of myelin around the neurons and therefore they can fire more effectively and therefore mm. they're cementing the skills. So basically what he's saying is that there's very clear scientific evidence that if you practice a skill over and over again, um, very focused, distraction-free, and just focus on that one skill, you're going to become better and better at it, which is obvious. Um, but what's not so obvious to most people is that it's very important to focus on just one thing at a time and not try to do everything. How, how come? Because did, did I... Did I don't get it? Why why only one thing? But I mean, one thing in the sense of, I mean, okay, if you are trying to um, get better at sight reading piano sheet music, um, <laughs> then it would probably be the best idea to, you know, focus for one hour just sight reading piano sheet music rather than sight reading for 50 minutes and after that, um, trying to play some songs and after that listening to music mm -hmm. and then going back to side trading all that i think that's what he means by focusing on just one thing at a time okay okay i could also imagine that if you're uh, multitasking nearby then you might connect up your different circuits for both of those things creating kind of a a habit <laughs> of, okay, whenever I need to deep work on my thesis, I kind of always get the feeling that I need to open my emails up. <laughs> All right, um, okay. Like yeah. an incentive. That That's also probably detrimental. So, okay. So, basically, he right. described the process of learning. Yeah, <laughs> of learning and why deep work is relevant to that. So, basically, mm. his summary of that is that to learn hard things quickly, you must focus intensely without distraction for longer periods All of right. time. Because it, it's How really no use to... How long are those periods? Well, we're going to get into that as well. Okay. <laughs> um, may I can <laughs> give a little sneak peek. Um, 
in this book, he argues, again, from a lot of scientific points of view and all that, that for a beginner, one hour of real deep work per day is the maximum. Like for someone who has never tried to actively do that and, you know, mm-hmm. try to work without any kind of distraction on very cognitively demanding skills, one hour per day is the absolute maximum. And experts or like, you know, people who have practiced it deliberately for years and years or even decades um, can probably fit in like four hours of real deep work into the day, mm-hmm. but not more. He says there are rarely yeah, people who can do more than four hours per day, which is a lot less than people usually think they can do. Because usually, Seems. you know, people are like, oh yeah, I studied for 12 hours today. And you're like, really? D- d- did you really but focus <laughs> intensely for 12 hours? I, I don't Probably think Probably so. not, no. It seems a bit like meditation, right? In what way? Like beginners are only able to start out with very short periods of time. I mean, it's very hard to actually meditate for 20 minutes. <laughs> and then there are the pros who are able to do that for a few hours <laughs> without yeah. really drifting away. Yeah, yeah. And I think I, actually I think also meditation similar. might be very useful for deep work as well, because you're kind of training your focusing abilities, right? Yeah, I think I think meditation is actually one of the techniques he talks about in the book to kind of practice practice deep work mm-hmm. and kind of practice your cognitive skills and all that. Yeah, for sure, there are many similarities between the two. Um, nice. Maybe before on oh no, wait. Okay, sure. Let, maybe let's before we get into the other stuff, uh, kind of the deep work philosophies. Question, question to you though. Um, okay. How long are your uh, deep working sessions at the moment? Hmm. <laughs> well, over the past two weeks, I haven't really had uh, the opportunity to do any real deep work, and by real mm. deep work, I mean not having any kind of distraction for more than one hour mm-hmm. um but i would say i think i can get to one and a half to a maximum of two hours per day right. of real deep work where mm-hmm. i'm like working at the edge of my cognitive abilities but not more it's probably more like one and a half hours on average all right yeah can can we pull off that deep work several times a day in the sense of okay one and a half hours of intense focusing right now and then i'll take a break for i don't know two hours and go for a run or something and then maybe i can put in another 45 minutes does he say something about that yeah definitely when we get to the section of the different deep work philosophies he talks about kind of the different ways you can implement the principles of deep work because obviously obviously you have to kind of um adapt them to your lifestyle and to your circumstances and all of that obviously and he kind of presents four different philosophies four different ways to implement deep work into your life but before we get into that um, yes (laughs) another very interesting concept is called attention residue and what he's or what the concept basically explains is that i think we've all experienced that when you switch from one task to another task um 
it's sometimes very hard to kind of redirect your attention to the task you're now trying to do. Um, because kind of half of your mind is still solving the first task and you're not 100% <laughs> focused and all that. And there's actually a scientific concept called attention residue, which says that when you switch tasks, your attention does not immediately follow. There's a little residue of your okay. attention that remains stuck thinking about the original task. And obviously, if you're not able to focus 100% on the task you're doing right now, that leads to worse performance on the task you're doing because half of your attention is still doing the, t the previous task. And I think that's an important thing to know about our brains because people are like, yeah, I'm so good at multitasking and um, I can do a lot of stuff simultaneously or one after the other and it works out greatly. And I'm like, mm, yeah, probably not as greatly as it could be if you would actually focus on doing one thing at a time. And it's been proven over and over again by all kinds of different science books or whatever <laughs> that, you know, multitasking is really a myth and there's no such thing as multitasking. And it's basically just switching between tasks. And as attention residue says, your attention does not immediately follow. So you're probably going to have a worse focus for the task you're trying to do in that moment. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think I very much also experienced that in exams, like <laughs> switching yeah. from one task to another and then switching back is taking much more time than actually taking like five more minutes to really focus on the the first task and trying to finish it. Um, yeah, other than that, what does he recommend then? Like when you switch from task A to task B, uh, like taking a break in between so your brain can, I don't know, stop thinking about task A or? Yeah, for, so he says there are, I mean, that's now from Kaufman memory, I hope I remember correctly, but he kind of differentiated <laughs> between two different situations. One being uh, you have task A, which you are able to completely finish in that session you're doing. And if you take a break, like a five to 10 minute break afterwards, and then move on to task B, you minimize the attention residue because you know task, I, uh, task A is done you can take your mind off of it and you can now fully focus on the next next task. But for a task where, let's say task A is a task that goes on for several days or weeks or months and can't be finished in just one single session, um, that's when you have, can, you have to kind of train your brain to say, okay, um, the task is not done. I still have a lot of things to do, but for today, I'm done with it. And I completely mm -hmm. let it go until the next day where can, I can continue to work <laughs> oh, on man. that. So I can yeah. now completely focus on the ne next task, which is obviously hard. That seems like a good skill to have. <laughs> for sure, man. It, it's really hard because usually, mm. um, at least I definitely tend to constantly think about all the things I'm trying yes. to do or I'm doing yes. simultaneously. And obviously that doesn't lead to a lot of... Um, real focused work on any of them and to a lot of attention residue which isn't good but i mean happens. 
I mean, that doesn't necessarily have to be a negative thing to keep it in the back of your mind. Many great scientific studies, uh, scientific findings, um, were made on a walk through the park over a bridge or something. <laughs> it's very interesting that you just said that because he talks about exactly that, about productive, I think he called it productive wandering or something uh -huh. like that. He talks about exactly that and how it's different from um, this concept of attention residue, where you're not able to fully focus on the next task. Um, okay. We're going to talk about that as well, I think, mm -hmm. I hope. Man, there's so many things in that book. It's, yeah. Anyway. It's going to be a long episode, I suppose. It's going to be a long <laughs> episode for sure. Maybe two last um, nice concepts, I think, and that are very... Um, I think very relatable for a lot of people is one of them is the principle of least resistance. And you talked about it in kind of the beginning of the episode. Uh, what we tend to do when it comes to shallow tasks is we choose them because they're very easy. They're very easy to do. It's very easy to open your emails and read through them and answer some or take a phone call or go to a meeting, which takes way longer than it's would need to if people were actually focused on you know presenting stuff effectively <laughs> and all that yes. um but it's very comfortable it's very easy it's not very demanding and therefore when there are no clear boundaries for you know what is actually important and what your actual job is and how success in your position is measured what tends to happen is that people usually choose the path of least resistance which is you know normally understandable but obviously doesn't lead to a lot of deep work because you're always choosing the tasks that are easiest to do and therefore you know you're not only not really focusing and constantly distracting yourself um and therefore which you know leads to a lot of attention residue but you're not actually producing anything valuable mm -hmm. or at least it's stuff that's very easily rep uh, replicable and therefore, you can also be very easily um, replaced. You know, <laughs> replaced. <laughs> right. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one last concept is, and we talked about that as well, is that a lot of corporations and firms, and even startups, um, busyness, not business, but busyness um, is <laughs> often considered as a proxy for productivity. So that means that people who are seen to be busy and to have a lot of meetings, a lot of phone calls and answer a lot of emails and all of that um, tend to be seen as the most productive. And I think you mentioned, especially like big consulting firms, where that happens, where it's very important how you appear to your um, to your coworkers and all that. And it's very important there to appear busy and to be a, appear stressed and to appear like you're doing a lot of stuff and taking a lot I of mean, phone calls and basically a status symbol there, yes. <laughs> exactly. It's just about status symbols and it's just about um you know basically pretending you're productive by being busy. But busy, as we know, does not meet equal being productive because mm. I can be busy the entire day watching Netflix. Is that productive? Probably not. Yeah, true that. <laughs> <laughs> it's productive and procrastinating, though. Yeah. 
Okay, so those are the basic concepts we need to understand the book. Yeah, have, but just the concept work. really resonated. So yeah. we have deep work, um, work that's like you know this uh, performed in a distraction-free state over yeah one to four hours, depending on how well you do it. We have the shallow work that's not very demanding and can easily be replaced. Um, we have your hypothesis. Uh, we have his deep work hypothesis that deep work becomes more rare, but it becomes at the same time actually more valuable and it's um, relevant because we learn better and um, we, we, we don't have this attention residue effect. Right. Nice. Okay, very nice. Let's go on <laughs> to how to actually implement deep work. Um, okay. And he talks yeah. about four <laughs> basic approaches and I'm going to make it as short as possible because it really depends on your lifestyle, your circumstances, whether you have children or not and all of that. Um, but they're like four major categories in which you can fall into. The first one is called the monastic approach to deep work. And the monastic approach basically means that you're eliminating shallow obligations as much as possible and he gives he gives quite a few examples of famous professors or even i don't know politicians <laughs> or whatever mm. um, who basically locked themselves up for a vast majority of the year um, not really answering to emails or not even having an email not having not even having a smartphone or anything um doing the bare minimum of you know on communication all of that and just focusing on working as deeply as possible you know no like yeah, how, how's it going? <laughs> no distractions um no shallow obligations no emails no meetings no interviews and all of that they just focus on the work and on okay, working yeah, yeah. deeply seems a bit seems a bit egoistic if a professor does that <laughs> i mean i have a question yeah. about your course fuck off i want to be productive <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well, um, it's a bit extreme and he said also says that a you know for the vast majority of people that's not the best approach to yeah. i mean i work. mean you can kind of get around the completely locking yourself apart by delegating and i don't know getting yourself a secretary that answers your emails or so <laughs> yeah that's that's also like basically what most of those people do they have mm. secretaries and all that and people who manage their emails or phone calls and only forward the stuff that they think is really really important but other than that they're just living in their deep work shell and never really get out of it which again is isn't an approach um he would really recommend for anyone <laughs> um but that's kind of one of the extremes. Then there's another um, approach, what's called the bimodal approach, which is basically where you divide your time into, you know, your deep work sessions or your deep work time and, you know, everything else, all the other shallow obligations. And he, as a famous example, he um, talks about Carl Jung, who 
like I, I don't remember what he was writing or what he was actually doing, <laughs> what he was working he was on. Some I have no idea. Psychologist, I think. Yeah, he was a psychologist. At least um, JBP seems to be referring to him a lot. <laughs> for sure. Um, but what he would do is basically, <laughs> yeah, he would basically lock himself up in his little, um, what was it, stone house in the woods or whatever it was, um, for like <laughs> half the year or so, <laughs> for like half the year or so, and yeah. refocus on, you know, on psychology and on, on writing scientific papers and all of that and on making big discoveries. And for the rest of the year, he would have his uh, cl clinical practice and he would meet people and he would go to coffee shops and all of that and he would kind of focus the rest of his life on those rather shallow obligations or you mm -hmm. know the stuff that pays the bills <laughs> <laughs> and he says that's also you know if you're completely in control of how you spend your time then that can be a good approach but again i would argue that for the vast majority of people that's also a bit extreme and not really possible yeah i mean especially nowadays it's you can't just lock yourself away yeah. where even then, when you do that <laughs> everything's in your in your i don't know in your little student apartment and you rot there and never shower because you're working deeply on your homework <laughs> whatever i have no mm. idea yeah seems quite accurate actually for studying uh <laughs> during covid <laughs> sure yeah that's Oof. true sad but true now yeah. we have the two last big approaches which i think are a lot more reasonable and you know realistic one of them being the rhythmic approach which is that basically you make an effort to transform deep work into simple regular habits just like you would with exercise with reading with uh -huh. playing the piano whatever and you could for example say every morning after i wake up at i don't know 7 a.m i will have one deep work session from 8 to 10 or whatever and i will work on the biggest task on my to-do list like you do for example that um, seems like I think that's a very yeah that's a very realistic <laughs> approach what it's what's important is that you have a kind of a ritual so that your yes. brain knows okay when I do those things that means that I will have to perform deep work which means no Facebook no Instagram no phone no distractions you know no petting your dog on your lap nothing just you and your work <laughs> but he's such a good boy man <laughs> yeah uh, little doggy um <laughs> and then for people <laughs> yeah <laughs> for people with a very busy life and you know yeah. people who travel a lot or have a lot of responsibilities or have jobs that tend to be full of shallow obligations for example journalists um there's an a deep work philosophy called the journalist approach and again, he gives some famous examples and all of that. Basically, what he says is that you try to fit in deep work whenever you can. You have a spare 20 minutes, try to focus as intensely as you can on writing that new article. You have a spare one hour uh, waiting for the subway or whatever. Uh, you try to maximize your deep work in that time and draft out the new book for your client or whatever. You know, all of that stuff. 
Um, and I think the a healthy combination between the rhythmic and the journalist approach is probably the best approach for a lot of people, hmm. or like for the average Joe. The journal, know. the average Joe. <laughs> the journalist approach actually doesn't seem that much like deep work to me. Then, I mean, well, yes and no. Because in the Obviously, subway, you you are very much distracted. I think if you need to change um, the people talking around you. Sure. Um, also, you cannot keep up like the at least one hour you you were planning for, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, okay, maybe the subway example wasn't the best. <laughs> um, but usually, you know, when you're working in an office and you have a lot of meetings and obligations and phone calls to take and, you know, you have no, no choice but take them. Whenever you have a free half an hour or whatever where there mm -hmm. are no meetings, no phone calls and no emails to respond to, uh, you could lock yourself in your office and, you know, focus as intensely as you can on working on that project or whatever that's probably kind of the approach he's talking about okay um, seems also a bit uh, going against uh, the attention residue aspect sure but um i mean for people who are very busy and have a lot of shallow obligations and usually working in big corporations that's kind of your lifestyle and you have no choice there's like no way you can just say oh from 8 to 12 i will not take any phone calls or respond to any emails it's just not mm. possible for a lot of people so it I may mean, be a good i approach. think maybe maybe the actual advice he should give is trying to come up with that rhythmic approach somewhere in your day um and actually try to change something about your boundary conditions that you just talked about like okay i mean everybody should be able to have at least, for example, two hours in the morning completely free. Exception. Sure. I maybe mean, some very important yeah. presidents out there or whatever. Um, that's, that seems like a better approach than a journalist approach, to be honest. Because the journalist approach just um, seems to seems to be uh, kind of picking off the leaves of the tree instead of um, cutting the tree down by the roots. <laughs> right yeah no i completely agree that the rhythmic approach is probably the best approach and i mean not the best i mean objectively the best approach would be the monastic approach if you're really trying to optimize for deep work <laughs> and try to optimize right. uh, you know your deep working hours and come up with great ideas uh but realistically but then the, the other aspect of it is, is like you're devoting your whole life to work then and Where is the sense in that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless you're Carl Jung or who else? Some big scientific yeah. genius who, you know, whose whole life consists of doing re research and writing papers and all that. Unless you're that kind of person, then, yeah, probably not the best approach. I mean, in our current... Um scientific community that's basically what you have to do if you want to stay alive <laughs> that's yeah, another discussion for sure. topic <laughs> for sure all right but yeah but i agree i think the best approach is to form a regular habit and it doesn't have to be four hours in the beginning because that's most likely just not possible um yeah. just Take say it as I'm a mini habit approach exactly i have One hour. Yeah, <laughs> half an hour 45 minutes an hour whatever and slowly try to increase 
the number of hours you do per day or whatever. Um, but yeah, so those were the kind of four big deep work philosophies you can kind of, um, you could kind of fall into if you try to implement it. <laughs> Man, there's so many things. Yes, hmm. yes. So rhythmic approach it is to summarize that section here. Yeah. Try to implement it. Nice. Hmm. And for me, like also, also you should maybe figure out at which time of day you want to have your um, main deep working session because um, I think there, apart from like your attention residue and all that stuff, I think there's also um, you, you kind of have a reservoir for focus that you yeah. use up over your whole day. And especially if you worked on a lot of tasks already, then it can become very hard to focus on something uh, deep worky in the evening. So as I said previously, I think uh, doing that stuff in the morning is probably best. Then you also have like your most important tasks already task already done for the day and everything else can fall apart because of, uh, I don't know, a tsunami hitting your city or so. And <laughs> <laughs> but you got your tasks done. Yeah, that's important. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Right, team. Let me just nice. take a look at the notes because all the other stuff is actually quite obvious. Just, mm -hmm. just explained a little more, a little more fancy. Okay. Mm, yeah, I, I'm just gonna try can... to summarize the next few points because there aren't okay. actually that insightful. I think. I mean, obviously. Yeah, if you want to have all the context and all the evidence and the stories and all of that, then obviously read the book uh, because we sure. cannot possibly provide you with all the context and all the details that are important. Um, but I'm just going to try to how, how is summarize. That, how is that app called that uh, summarizes uh, books and stuff? Oh, there are a lot. I think there's Blinkist. There is... Our sponsor of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Check out we Blinkist. <laughs> But there are also, I think there's short form, it's called, there are quite a few, or just some random online summaries, uh, mm. like the one I looked up. <laughs> nice. There are a lot of good, good stuff out there. All right. Um, what he also talks about related to deep work is the four disciplines of executions or the four DX, DX. Okay, make it clean and with one swipe. Clean with one swipe. So execution. there are four disciplines of execution. Number one, focus on the widely important. I mean, that's kind of obvious. You want to deep work, you want to produce something valuable. Focus on what's actually important, what you actually want mm. to accomplish, because otherwise you're just wandering around doing basically nothing. Number two, act on the lead measures. Now, what does he mean by lead measure measures? God. So <laughs> what he's saying is that there are two kinds of measures you can act upon number one being lag measures which you know lag measures being the thing that you're ultimately trying to improve let's say you want to increase your typing speed <laughs> for whatever reason because you're a nerd and you know the lag measure <laughs> there done? would be yeah the lag measure <laughs> there would be trying to improve your typing speed now mm -hmm. the lead measure is the actual behavior 
that will drive success on the lag measures. So if you're trying to improve your typing speed, which is your lag measure, your lead measure could be, I'm trying to type, um, to deliberately practice typing for 10 minutes a day, or I'm gonna try to increase my typing speed by four words per minute per week or whatever, you know, that kind of stuff, that kind of habits so it's about, and behaviors. Yeah, about goal setting and trying to make a habit of stuff. And Exactly. Yeah. And he kind of, as I said, the, the second discipline of execution, act on the lead measures means focus on the actual behavior and not so much on the ultimate goal. Because as long as, as you focus on the yes. right behavior, ultimately in some way, shape or form, someday it's going to lead to your actual goal. Then uh, number Seems three. Seems a bit like you, the thing you brought up last episode. Um, whenever you find like the motivation for a new hobby, don't jump into it right away with 12 hours a day. Try to use that motivation to form a habit right. of it. That's, yeah. that's also kind of the idea behind it. Then number three, keep a compelling scoreboard. Well, that's also just, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of obvious. If you want to um, get into the habit of doing something, for example, of doing deep work, you can have a little calendar uh, put mm. up on your wall and every day you have done at least one successful deep work session. You can kind <laughs> of cross the day off and you're going to have a row of crossed off days and it's going to make you feel good and all that. Yeah, and I mean, number four, you have to <laughs> you have to measure what you want to improve it. <laughs> sure. Very and basic, number yeah. four, to summarize it, create a cadence of accountability, meaning um, you could implement daily or weekly reviews of your deep work efforts. You could, mm -hmm. you know, try to figure out how, how you could work even more deeply or maybe what kind of distractions you struggle with and kind of deliberately practice working deeply. Those are kind of the four disciplines of deep work okay. execution. Seems seems intuitive. Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious. And also, I think that's now a really interesting thing he talks about. He says that in order to be able to consistently perform deep work, at the end of each workday, you should shut down work-related thinking completely. You should just mm -hmm. completely forget about anything related to work. You you should have a fixed time. Let's say I don't know. Let's say uh, seven that's p.m. So hard, when man. you get home. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. That's very hard. That's like that's like the benefit of a nine to five. You are done when when the clock says you're done. <laughs> I mean, yes, yes, and no. I mean, they're quite. I would argue that most people usually kind of carry the work home and kind of think mm -hmm. about everything that's happened. And it's not even just about checking work-related emails when you get home. It's just about generally thinking about your work day. Like, oh man, that discussion didn't went well or that meeting was okay, terrible. Okay, just yeah. completely shut off work at a set amount, uh, at a set hour. And it's How come? a little Why? bit... Yeah, I think that that's the interesting part because it's it's kind of counterintuitive because people think, oh no, in order for me to be good at my job, I have to constantly think about it and come up with new solutions and try to improve whatever I'm doing at work and all of that. And while that is true to some extent, um, he kind of argues that at a certain point, as you said, focus is also a limited resource. At some point, 
thinking even more about one thing doesn't really help improve it. It's just a waste of energy. Mm-hmm. And he says that you should have a fixed time set for every day or a ritual set um, where you don't think about work anymore. And he argues that he argues he basically gives three main reasons why that's important. Number reason number one would be that downtime actually aids insight. So that means if you actually take time off work and don't think about it, it actually helps your brain kind of helps your unconscious kind of unravel all the things that have happened. And so, which, so that's what you meant with productive wandering earlier. That's yeah, that's 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 a part of it. I mean, um the thing with productive wandering or productive walking, I don't know what exactly it was, um, is basically that it's a form of meditation, but where you focus on one specific thought or one specific problem and only on that problem mm-hmm. for the set of amount of time you go for a walk or a jog or whatever. And that is supposed to kind of help you come up okay. with new creative ideas and solutions and all of that. Um Reason number two why you should shut off work completely um, from a certain hour is that the downtime actually helps you recharge the energy needed to work deeply. Because if you try to work deeply for the whole day, as I Mm -hmm. said, there's a certain amount of hours your brain can take working deeply. But after that, it's just really counterproductive and there's not much value you can actually extract from that other than being mm-hmm. stressed because you can't refocus anymore. So it actually helps you kind of recharge and refocus so you can work deeply the next day. And I think it goes into the idea that most things in life are marathons, not sprints. So you could try to have four hours of deep work every single day and even think about work when you get home until you fall asleep. But that's gonna probably not going to be very... Um, efficient in the long term you should focus on having a set amount of hours of real deep work per day and after that completely forget about it mm-hmm. and kind of recharge your batteries it's and probably also better for your uh, health overall for sure <laughs> definitely and your relationships continuous and your stress and, and stuff and like increases uh, like the for many diseases mm-hmm. And the last reason he mentions is that work, the work that you usually tend to think about in the evening isn't actually that important, usually. Mm -hmm. Usually there are very shallow things that you can very easily solve once you're back at work. (laughs) Man, Um, what are we working on right now? hmm? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but uh, he argues that basically most things... (laughs) Um, most things after work aren't that important. I mean, obviously there are exceptions, but most things aren't that important that you would actually need to constantly think about them after your work is done. Um, I found it very interesting. And as you said, it's very hard to do that. I mean, I mean, we are students. We don't really have a nine to five in that sense. Um, But I think even for students, there should be a time set, if possible, let's say, I don't know, mm-hmm. 10 or 11 p.m., um, where you just say, okay, it's done for the day. Whatever I have to do, I can also do tomorrow. 
uh, rather than trying to pull an all-nighter and finish work and go to sleep at 4 a.m., wake up at 8 and be, um, you know, have terrible sleeping habits and mess up your health yeah, and mess yeah. up your focus and all of that. There's just no point in it. So really try to kind of maximize your ability to work deeply by minimizing distractions, minimizing the amount of time you think about work when you're not actually at work, obviously. And yeah, that should help. Yeah, it seems it seems very much to me that this whole deep work uh, idea um, is connected very much to efficient environment management. <laughs> Not in an ecological sense, in the sense of your working <laughs> environment, right? Um, does he give any any advice on, on that? Oh, yeah, man. This book is just so full of stuff. Like, while I'm talking, I'm also trying to figure out what else he talks about in the book. Yeah, so I can yeah, kind yeah. of put okay, it in there. Okay. Uh, but one thing that comes to mind, um, which is kind of related to what you said to kind of design your environment so you are forced to work deeply whether you want or not is he, he told a story of some author from from the US mm -hmm. who had to write a manuscript for a new book in like I think two weeks or something like that <laughs> Sick. which apparently is um, well not impossible but very 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 hard and what Obviously. that author did, he he got on a plane to Japan and back, which is a total of like, I think, 30 hours of flight. And he wrote the entire manuscript in those 30 hours because there was no way for him to get on Instagram and to get on Facebook and to get distracted by phone calls and all of that. <laughs> so and he was uh, not flying in business class or anything. Well, plans. apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> and mm. he was just working on the manuscript and he actually finished it in 30 hours, which is crazy. So the monastic approach. <laughs> yes and no. I think that it's actually a different concept he talks about, which is, I think it's called monastic. having, no, I think it's called having, I think just having a, a the drastic change or something like that, he calls it. Wait, let me actually... Mm -hmm look it up something like that so basically where you put yourself in a position where you have absolutely no choice but you work deeply and there are no distractions even if you would like to be distracted there's just no way for you to be distracted you know other than yeah, by yeah. other passengers I mean, or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah telling you their life story right I mean, uh, what works out very greatly as well is just find a task that's even more overwhelming and difficult and then you will procrastinate from it with the other task. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, sure. No, but um, yeah, I guess for environmental management, what's, what's important, I guess, putting your phone away and maybe putting uh, off Wi-Fi. Um, yeah finding a silent spot in your apartment i suppose that's general thing keeping a clean work workspace if you're not a creative person Def <laughs> definitely yeah i love those little tips and tricks like general productivity stuff keep your phone yes. away which you will desk. learn about more if you are following us on this podcast here right now 
so those were like some big concepts. There are a lot of lot more concepts and they're explained in great detail and with scientific evidence mm. and all of that. But for that, just read the book, guys, because there's too much yeah. in it to summarize it. Um, there are actually just a last few things to to maybe talk about to make it a little more practical and not so abstract. Yes. Um, one of them being that what's important to know about deep work, again, deep work meaning focusing undistracted for long periods of time on one specific thing, um, must involve two goals. One goal should be to improve your ability to concentrate intensely on one thing. And the other goal simultaneously is to overcome your desire for distraction. Um, because as important as it is to be able to focus deeply on one thing, it's just as important, if not more important, to be able to manage your distractions mm -hmm. and to not be a slave to them, you know, and to be able to say, look, for the next two hours, I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm not going to turn on the Internet. I'm not going to, you know, whatever, go to my roommate and watch a, an episode of Office or whatever. It's just two hours of focused work and there's no one that can get me out of that state. <laughs> Whatever happens, I'm working. Um, so that's quite a good thing to have in the back of your mind when you try to implement more deep work into your day. That it's not only about being able to concentrate, but also about being able to manage your distractions. Okay. Right. Nice. Hmm. I still, do you still have to say something? Um, other than that, I'd have some thoughts on it still. Sure. Go ahead. Okay. It seems a bit like that um, with his deep work and shallow work concept, he's um, kind of uh, regrouping a bit the, uh, how is it called? That, that, that um, Eisenhower matrix my most favorite concept that I bring up every second episode. <laughs> yeah. Which I explain again right now. Um, the Eisenhower matrix is kind of a matrix dividing your tasks into um, important and urgent. And the argumentation is that, okay, you should actually um, focus your work on sector two of it, which is the important and urgent, uh, not urgent sector, sorry, um, because that will be the work that um, is most influential in, in your future. Um, it's very important and not urgent. Therefore, it will make great change. Um, whereas important and urgent stuff is more or less uh, crisis management, which you can avoid by uh, preparing with the non-urgent uh, prevention measures. And then the, the sector three and four are very much not important. That's why you should not focus on them, which he would probably call the shallow work, right? Um, yeah. And the deep work kind of uh, seems to fit into, um, yeah, into into sector one or two, like the very urgent or and important stuff, more or less. Yeah, definitely. Very nice. <laughs> um how's it called very nice how you bridged the gap there yes um, um 
So yeah, that's yeah, maybe another way of thinking about it, um, of a method for achieving your sector two tasks in your life. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, we put off our discussion discussion a bit about his deep work hypothesis. Um, if you want, we can get a bit more into that still. Sure, let me just... Because sure, okay, yeah, before, maybe before we get into that, a last, very last point about... Okay. So I can just finish my notes here. I think that's a really important <laughs> For you in a mindset shift. Yeah, I think it's an important mindset shift because... Or it certainly was for me because what we tend or how we tend to think these days um, about being able to focus intensely and to perform deep work and all of that, we think of it as, okay, I have to take a break from all of the distractions and work deeply for once. And yeah, that's because obviously we live in a world, in a society where there are a lot of distractions. There's the internet, there's social media, emails, telephone calls, uh, meetings, all of that. But what Cal Newport says is that we should actually shift our mindset and think, you know what, I'm actually going to allow myself to take a break from working deeply by you know allowing myself to actually get distracted for once. So it's exactly the other way around. And that we should try to spend a majority of our time mm -hmm. actually focusing on important tasks, on working as deeply as possible and not feel like deep work is a break from distraction, but rather that distraction is a break from deep work. Um, mm -hmm. So that was a very nice mindset shift I had. You should I have. It may be you valuable. should have said that at the end of the episode, man. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm gonna say it again just because it yeah, sounds nice. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, the way you you put that statement though is putting me a bit off. Um, I think what he, okay. um, what you said is like that we should take a majority of our time uh, working. Uh, deeply I think what he says is that the work we are doing um, should not be a lot of work it should rather be deep work right and that you yeah, should yeah, not for, yeah. You're, you're right yeah I yeah that wasn't the best way to describe it you're right yeah the, the point isn't to work 12 hours a day and to try to you know don't use your phone all day because you're trying to maximize deep work or anything like that. But it's rather <laughs> about kind of shifting your mindset towards, okay, when I'm working, I'm giving it my all. And I'm trying to pull, put in as much deep work as possible. No distractions, no social media and all of that. And when I've done that, and when I'm happy with my progress, I can allow myself to get distracted by other shallow obligations, answering emails, going on social media, whatever, <laughs> uh, rather than seeing it the other way around. So, but you're, so, you're completely right. So deep work is about quality and not quantity. <laughs> exactly. Very yes. nicely put. Nice. Okay. Perfect. Um, by the way, that might be also more important before we get into this deep work hypothesis a bit more um is there any major criticism you stumbled upon during your research i mean like this okay Honestly. the concept sounds 
pretty intuitive, yes. Um, he apparently also has some scientific backup, but anything you stumbled upon? Honestly, no. <laughs> not okay. yet. I didn't. It's perfect. <laughs> no, no, it's definitely not perfect. But I think okay. it's a very good, a very interesting new perspective on mm. kind of the current situation we find ourselves in when it comes to focus and living in a world full of distractions. Um, but I'm sure yeah, there I mean, I sub- critics, there always are. Sorry, you were still talking. The The connection was a bit bad at the moment. Okay. <laughs> I said that I'm sure that there are critics because there always are. Yeah, true that, man, true that. Yeah, I think he's, he's taking he's taking another perspective on the whole working thing. Um, I mean, others try to compensate with uh, retreats to, I don't know, uh, Japan, <laughs> where they do meditation yeah. and stuff. And um, yeah, he, he tries to he tries to make your work a bit more focused. Um, putting away social media and stuff nice okay then um debug hypothesis so um what i i I think um okay to repeat the statement for the listeners um, the ability to perform deep work is becoming increasingly rare at exactly the same time it is becoming increasingly increasingly valuable in our economy um, yeah, as a consequence, the few who cultivate the skill and then make it the core of their working life will thrive. Um, so there are two major statements. Um, deep work is becoming rarer and at the same time, it's becoming more valuable. Um, I'm not sure whether I'd agree with the deep workers becoming more rarely because um, more and more people are becoming like globalized and have access to like the work global work market and education so uh, it might be true that um, overall um, less people in like uh, the western countries are able to perform deep work but in a global scheme, there are due to like the the education growth, there are more people are flooding like the market with this skill, right? Than we are losing. <laughs> hmm. Thinking about that way. No. You think so? I, I think the re or the, maybe one of the factors. I mean, we'd need studies work. to figure that out. Yeah, sure. definitely. But yeah. Um, but I think. A, I think an important fact actually might be that the fact that we are getting more globalized and more interconnected mm-hmm. and therefore people's attention is even more shattered because now they suddenly have to talk to people in different time zones and in different languages and suddenly they get emails at 12 o'clock at night from someone in India who needs their help. And <laughs> I think actually globalization and the internet and all of that have been a big factor in decreasing the ability to okay. deep work. But I, I get your point. Um, hmm. 
I mean, yeah, we'd need exact numbers to figure it out because that's the, like a game of arguments right now where we don't know which one has which weight and stuff. Um, then why? Why? Like he's he's arguing that um, deep work is becoming more valuable. That means we have an increase in like its uh, in its value. But it, how, how come? Like, how can it be more important than ever before? I mean, I, I suppose deep work was important also 100 years ago already. For sure. Well, I think as far as I remember, and it's also just what I think fits intuitively, is that um, he says, or he argues that in today's economy, as I said, it is crucial to learn hard things quickly. Mm -hmm. um, because people who, you know, it's not enough these, I mean, it's never been, but especially these <laughs> days, it's not enough to just, you know, go to university, get your degree, get a job and just stick with that level of knowledge until the end of your career. It's just not enough. Yeah, and he argues that. that, especially in a field like, let's say, computer science, where there are a lot of new technologies coming out basically every week. Um, you just have to keep up with all of this stuff and you have to continuously learn and master hard things, master new programming languages, um, master new, I don't know, computer science concepts that are very complex and therefore the ability to learn those things quickly, which is basically equal to the ability to perform deep work is becoming increasingly valuable because I guess most people not only do they not have the ability to focus enough or focus distraction free to actually master those hard skills, but they're not actually willing to do that because they underestimate mm -hmm. the importance of it in our economy. But yeah. that's just TikTok the is the killer of our economy. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I mean, no, it, it has its place. And I guess if you're trying to become an influencer or grow on social media then tiktok is a great way to yeah. you know to get on but yeah <laughs> not for I mean, me i mean the question i suppose I, think, I don't know where i stumbled upon that um is um whenever you engage in social media um you should ask yourself what do you want to get out of this uh, short list short little social media um session and always be aware that okay they um don't only want to provide you with the product you're looking for they also want to make you stick around as long as possible <laughs> um for sure and yeah that's a nice little yeah, that's the point, so. definitely. Um, ask yourself uh, continuously okay at the end of the day will it have been good that I spent one hour on TikTok right now. And is it because uh, it was valuable to me or is it because the algorithm uh, spit out uh, cute uh, puppies on people's laps while they were deep working or pretending <laughs> to be deep working? <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, TikTok and social media and kind of all these distractions have their place. And, you know, completely cutting them off from your life is also yeah. not the best solution. Um, however, man, I, uh, I deinstalled, it's called, yeah, deinstalled Instagram and YouTube from my phone. And since then, I'm 
<laughs> basically never using my phone again with the exception of uh, duolingo <laughs> yeah even youtube wow yeah yeah i can't deinstall I mean, it I, but i can disable it <laughs> yeah i mean i don't really use youtube on my phone anyways so yeah. and i also i also deleted instagram for i think over one month and recently i reinstalled it i don't know why bad decision <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I need to <laughs> delete it again. But actually, I'm not spending much time on it, which is interesting. I think on average, like 10 Ooh. minutes, 15 minutes. But still, I would like but to man, reduce that that's to up maybe like, like five. That adds up like at the end of the year, um, 3,000, six hours you will have spent on... No, actually more, right? No, 10 minutes a day. Six, 60 hours. 60 hours. Per year at the end of the hmm. year yeah <laughs> not so <laughs> man not so good, i hope my math was correct right there but i have no idea i'm i'm way too uh, lazy me, to, <laughs> to 365 to times 10 check it. minutes um divided by 60 yeah 60 hours at the end of the year with 10 hmm. minutes a day yeah, so rather put that into your language learning goals with our sponsor of this episode duolingo <laughs> Not yet, man. Patience, I like these jokes. I'd I, I really <laughs> like to say things like that because those transitions are very smooth and they fit in everywhere. But <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Do you remember... That, that's really random, but have you seen those weird compilations of like Japanese, uh, Japanese advertisements on TV? There's like this um, ad where the woman puts a um, a black man into the washing machine and oh, yes, comes yes. an Asian man and all of that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's an old one. I mean, yeah, it was ranted enough about. <laughs> yeah, what, but I just what about this? The first time seeing it. I, I have no idea why I came, just came up with it. Ah, right, because we talked about uh, you know, how easy it is to do those transitions those ad transitions kind of mm. remind me of those random ads <laughs> or th that japanese ad well. where, where a guy just randomly slips on stuff and every time he falls um he's on that like app machine where uh -huh. he's working out his apps it's they're, they're just really weird really weird yeah yeah no japanese advertisements are the weirdest you can imagine out there yeah, they are sure. also probably created with people who for people with short attention spans. Well, uh, like us. Yeah. What? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it works out right. ever again. Okay. Um, want to draw a question and then finish it up? Oh man, we're quite far into. Yeah. yeah okay. Let's, then let's do the next episode. Do... No, no. Let's do one question. If okay. it's good, if it's not good, then... A shallow or a deep it. question? A <laughs> shallow or a deep question? Well, let's just see what... I mean, uh, I usually have to shallow questions. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's true. We can both draw one and then just decide which one is easier to answer. How? How will I tell you without... <laughs> okay, you mean... I, okay, okay. <laughs> no, just... Just draw one if it's not uh, utterly philosophical, then. Mm. Yeah. Let me see. Most of them we've actually done already. 
22, we did that. 25, no, 12, what's 12? We did that as well, 11. Why don't okay. you beat them? <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> a, that's a shallow one. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. If you could choose to be any animal, what animal would you choose to be? Oof. <laughs> Homo oh sapiens? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what would I choose to be? What's what's a cool animal? Hmm. Um, but it's not be about being cool. I mean, flying no, I is mean cool, cool, but birds get eaten. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm, what I'm trying to figure out. Like a an animal that's like strong. Uh, but doesn't get easily killed. Doesn't have a lot. Of, doesn't have a lot of natural enemies. But at okay, the same time, I'm a can wolf. Do cool stuff. A wolf or a snow hmm. leopard. Or yeah, that's that's actually yeah a wolf. That's actually a good idea. Yeah, that's the typical stuff you write in your uh, elementary school um, friend books. <laughs> All right. I think when <laughs> I was younger, I actually used to write dolphin. Dolphin. I want to be a dolphin. Yeah. Well, dolphins but are pretty fucked up, to be honest. Like <laughs> bullying each other and fucking each other. <laughs> That's what the animals their... do, man. <laughs> yeah. They're supposed but to do and that. that. But the cool thing is, they they never completely sleep. They only put like one of their brain hemispheres right. to sleep. The other one is studying physics. <laughs> no, that's actually for keeping the dolphin alive. <laughs> because that I think... Cool, though. Wait, dolphins are mammals, right? Are they? No. Yeah. Um, they, they need air, right? So, right. for not dying. <laughs> okay. Also no, that, that's shallow question. Yeah, that was... Yeah. No now that that shallow question is out of out of the way, um, let's yeah sum up a bit what we learned today and wrap Alrighty. this episode. There was a quite, I think, um, information intense. I, I think I learned something. Episode. <laughs> well, that's nice. Anyways, we talked about deep work by Cal Newport. Again, just read the whole book. It's way better if you have all the context and all the evidence and all the stories and all of that. But basically what deep work means is deep work are a number of activities you perform in a distraction-free zone where you're very... Um, you're challenging your cognitive abilities and you're coming up with valuable stuff that is hard to replicate. For example, programming preparing an upcoming presentation, drafting a new business plan, all of that. Um, whereas shadow work, uh, all of those things we tend to do when we procrastinate <laughs> and we want to feel hmm. productive but aren't actually productive, answering emails, phone calls, going to meetings. And you know these efforts tend to not really create much value and are very easily replicable. Then we have the deep work hypothesis, which states that the ability to perform deep work is becoming increasingly rare and at the exactly same time it's becoming more and more valuable in our economy and we kind of discussed that at the end of of the episode um right what else is there to say do you have anything 
Uh, I think I think it's okay. Just listen to our episode again if you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, just, just listen to it on repeat. Yep. Um, nice. Yeah, then, yeah, awesome for all of you who stuck around until now. You don't even need your Blinkist uh, subscription because we are doing everything for you. <laughs> <laughs> and for that... Um, We'd be very happy if you left us a comment on how we were doing, a um, few tips on how to improve, because nobody's perfect. Um, other than that, yeah, typical blah, blah, like, subscription, um, you know the deal. And yeah, it was a very nice uh, episode again, and we're looking forward to having you around next week. Thanks for joining me, Yassi. Bye-bye.